You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 578. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Joining me today will be Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. Colin, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, you know, just kind of we're 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 slowly. Um, it looks like basketball is going to come back in some sort of modified version um, for select teams. So that's kind of we're gonna we have a pretty long episode today, Spurs cast listeners. I know it's been a while since I've last recorded. Um, a few weeks now, uh, and and the reason why is because we're just waiting to see. You know, every every day almost there's new reporting about what's going to happen, what's not going to happen with the whole situation to the return. But now we've kind of got some more concrete, um, um, not data but just information about what's going to happen with the league. So uh, Colin and I are going to kind of go through that. We have. Some news about LaMarcus Aldridge um, being out for the rest of the season uh, and then yeah just going kind of go through um, <clears throat> just the latest with the league all right so let's go to begin um, last week the uh, the board of governors had had a, approved a, a by a 29 to 1 vote um, a, a, a resolution to resume the season in late July uh, all the way through pretty much October if the finals go all the way to Game 7 at that date. Uh, then the following day, the NBA PA, the Players Association, also approved that plan. And so the way you've probably seen this at Spurs cast sessions if you've been online and we've also written about it on Project Spurs, I'll just kind of give you a brief rundown of what's going to happen here. Uh, so there will be 22 teams uh, going to Orlando at the Disney World Resort where they have a, a close-off what they're calling a bubble campus environment. Um, they're going to be playing each team will be playing eight seeding games um and then of course you know they'll look at the rot that the um the standings and they will select your 16 playoff teams again the same normal format so it's eight teams in the west eight teams in the east uh seven game series uh and there could be a chance at a play-in tournament for the eighth seed in each conference if the ninth seed team is within four games uh so regarding the spurs they will be there in um in late July, it's expected to kick off uh, July. It was originally July 31st, but now uh, ESPN is reporting that it's going to be July 30th. Um, some other details, uh, the lottery, the way it's going to work is uh, for the Spurs, unless they can get that eight seed, they're most likely going to be the have the 11th pick still. That's not going to move. So even if the Spurs do horrible, they go 0-8 uh, and they don't make the playoffs, they're probably just going to be 11th no matter what. Uh, if they do do really well and they actually beat out Memphis for that playoff spot, well, then it, things would change and, the, and their, 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 their lottery odds would get worse because they'd be a playoff team. Um, the draft lottery is expected to be held on August 25th. Uh, the, the draft, the NBA draft, is supposed to be held um, October 15th. Um, next season, tentatively, could start December 1st. That's still on, on waiting. And then training camp could start by November November 10th. Uh, free agency is uh, expected to start here October 18th. And just today, um, Colin and I recorded this on a Thursday. ESPN, um, Woj, and Bobby Marks are reporting that, that the, the NBA is going to allow 17 players uh, per roster, and that can include the two two-way players if teams have them. And the Spurs do have two, two players in Drew Eubanks and uh, Quinn Derry Weatherspoon. Um, what else did I want to get here? Uh, yeah, we kind of tackled everything. Yeah, so Colin, just kind of out of all that information, what, what just kind of give me your thoughts on, on this uh, proposal by the league. Yeah, um, I think one of the things that I thought was interesting was I was listening to, I think, Nate Duncan on his podcast. And one of the points that he brought up, because I think another thing that people are saying is like, is this really, you know, things are maybe kind of starting to look like they're slowing down with Corona and then all of a sudden they look like they're not slowing down with Corona. Like, is this really the best use of resources? And uh, one of the interesting things that he brought up that someone else brought up, and I can't remember who originally he heard it from was like, you know, this campus environment is actually probably going to be like safer for the players and like just hanging out in whatever cities they're in normally. Cause it seems like people are starting to act like they're, things are going back to normal even yeah. though it's probably not done yet <laughs> like what we're going through is probably maybe even going to spike again in the fall 
uh, as some reporting we've seen. And so I think that, you know, people thought, oh, people are risking their lives for no reason. But I think that it sounds like with all the precautions they're taking, and I'm sure they have a lot more that we haven't heard about, I think the campus situation is actually going to be healthier than we thought. Now, the players who are a little bit, we've heard reporting of like, oh, certain players aren't comfortable with uh, this environment for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I think all of those reasons are valid. Um, I think that'll be interesting to see if a big name player feels that way. Like if one of the high level stars is saying, you know, I don't really feel comfortable going to this campus site for X, Y, or Z reason. Um, and the NBA is not going to say, well, that's not a good enough reason. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if that does happen. Um, I'm not foreseeing that, but I think, you know, it's one of those things where as long as the NBA and the MBPA haven't come to an agreement, the players realize that maybe they have a little bit extra leverage here to say they don't feel comfortable with whatever policy and they can try to maybe get things adjusted. I think the whole like forcing them to stay in the campus is something that not everyone is super on board with. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that goes. But I, I think overall, it was definitely an interesting proposal. I, I really liked the World Cup idea, uh, the World Cup style idea, <laughs> and I wish they did that instead. Um, and I know this is something that Zach Lowe said a lot, so I'm kind of just parroting him, but I agree in terms of I don't know why the Suns are there or like uh, the Wizards. <laughs> the Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> So, and, and it just feels like, you know, two less teams, that can be anywhere to up to a hundred less people. Uh, you know, the Jazz had 50 people in their traveling party when Donovan Mitchell and, uh, Gobert tested positive. So it's, it's like two less teams is actually really significant in the number of people that it can prevent. But overall, I think it's a good idea and I'm excited for basketball to come back. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to uh, touch on that you just mentioned there was that there is reporting today also by ESPN that um you know there's going to be there's going to be players who don't want to go and, and like you mentioned the, the NBA is not going to penalize them if they don't want to go. Um they may, they may, they may lose some of their pay, yes, but you know they're, they're going to be allowed if a player does not want to go to this this environment, they do not have to. They're not requiring them or forcing them. And and there's actually been some reporting um like I mentioned from ESPN that that uh you know so some veteran players mostly uh you know if if they feel like they're far away from becoming, you know, a playoff team or um a, a champion contender they're just probably not going to do it i saw some um just before you and i logged in i was just on twitter right now and there was some some rumors that carmelo anthony you know a veteran player who's up, up in his late 30s or, or early 30s and uh, you know he's already saying like you know he's not 100 percent sure if he's going to go in. and you got to look at his situation he's on a team the blazers that are that are you know right now it'd be really t- i mean they're, they're, there's a road for them to get to the playoffs but you know if they even get there they'd probably get knocked out in round one is the most likely cause uh you know effect so you know do players and when you talk about the spurs maybe older players like rudy gay like uh, demar Derozan, do they really want to you know go through this and a big issue for the players is two two things it's one the fact that they have to leave their families behind for several weeks and you know mm-hmm. the only way they get to bring their family in is if uh, they make it to the second round of the playoffs and even then their family has to be go through all this extensive testing as well while they're with them so that's one part of it and then two is like you mentioned you know they're just stuck in that bubble environment on the on the Disney World campus in a certain part of it and if they do try to leave the campus they have to go into automatic quarantine when they get back so you know there's just you know basically they're stuck there they can't they can't leave uh, and so you you know, for, for a lot of players, you know, do they really want to go through that, especially if there's not really a chance that, that their team's even going to make the playoffs? You know, they have to look at that. So so we'll see kind of which players, because, I mean, Woj did, did, did report yesterday uh, on Wednesday that there was a faction of NBA players who are thinking about staying behind or, or not, you know, not going. So so it could end up being just the teams, like we mentioned, the 22 teams, and maybe a lot of their younger players end up going, uh, especially for those that are that may not make the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll obviously see, wait and see what happens there with the players. Um, one other point we want to talk about real quick is uh, – 
you know, what, what are the COVID-19 risks that the NBA is looking at here? So, so I, there's been different reporting at uh, different places like The Athletic, like ESPN, etc. cetera. Uh, so one thing I've seen um, lately is that uh, they're, they're going to pretty much test everyone that's there nightly uh, when, when, they, when the games do start, and then they'll get their results the next morning. So even if, like, you know, you're negative one day and then all of a sudden, you know, the next morning you get your results that you're out. And, and the way they're looking at it is you're probably going to have to, if you do test positive, you're going to have to sit out for, for seven days quarantined by yourself at minimum. And then, of course, you have to test negative twice to get back into the team with your team. So, th- so that's kind of a difference because we originally saw that it would be two weeks you have to sit out if you test positive, but now they're just saying um, seven days. Um, what else here? Uh, Woj and, and Zach Lowe reported recently that the that the personnel, the personal medical histories are being asked of all, all personnel going to this uh, for each team, and there's going to be a panel of medical experts who are going to kind of weigh in on what are the risks for those um, you know people with different um, you know health, health conditions that are going to be going to this to this environment. And three coaches that a lot of people you know a lot of the league has questions about, and reporters and everyone, even the fan bases, is a uh, coach Pop, who's the oldest coach going um, at 71. Uh, coach Mike D'Antoni, the Rockets at at age 69 and then coach gentry alvin gentry of the pelicans he's 65 uh they're waiting to see what happens with them because there, there's a lot of issues here because one it's almost like it's it's almost like a, a discrimination medically to hold them back from from participating and then two you know are you going to force them to wear a mask or not and so there's been a lot of issues with the um with the coaching association going back at the, at the league you know you can't you can't withhold these coaches just because they hit the the age of of people that are most you know vulnerable to coronavirus but then you know it, it is like, like like i mentioned like a discrimination issue and medically uh that that they're looking at and so we have seen you know we have seen quotes from d'antoni and coach gentry that they are you know they do they pretty much want to risk it they want to they want to be with their players they want to be as close as possible you know working with them as safe as possible we haven't seen that from pop yet um, you know whether on, on the record if he if he wants to go or not because of you know the factors and, and you know he was on a recent podcast with steve kerr and um uh, coach Steve Carroll uh, from from the uh, the Seahawks, I believe it is in the NFL. Anyway, he was doing a podcast with them, and he, you know he mentioned his granddaughter how he's been spending time with her. And so you know, do, does Pop at seventy one risk you know himself being exposed to this virus when he's still you know he's he's still uh, you know once once he eventually retires you know he's still got his family out there and his and his own health to look forward to uh, with his own family. So so there is a question there, and and that was a question you kind of proposed, Colin, was you know what would happen if Pop chooses not to go. Um, you know, who do you think would, would take over coaching? Would it be a, a trio again of, of Becky Hammond, uh, Tim Duncan, and Will Hardy? Or do you think like one of them would, would, would take over as the main coach? What do you think, Colin? Yeah, so, and, and I think that kind of has several aspects to it. You know, I think Pop knows that like once he retires, he's retired. And I think that's a difficult thing to make, a uh, decision to make. I think that's what we saw with both Duncan and Ginobili who played a couple extra seasons than we thought they would because I think when like it comes down to the time to say I'm done playing it or I'm done coaching it can be like a hard decision to make because uh they don't seem like the type of people who would say I'm done and then like come back a year or two later (laughs) so um so I think that that could be a difficult decision because I think if he sits out the rest of this season that could be you know we could have seen when the Spurs played uh, the Mavs in the middle of March. That was the last time that Pop coached. If he does not come back for this, um, mm-hmm. but I do also think that you mentioned his his age, and um, we don't really know exactly what direction the coronavirus is going to take until we get some sort of vaccine. And you talked about him spending time with his granddaughter. You know, I think that he could continue working in the president of basketball operations role from San Antonio and continue to spend a lot of time in San Antonio and still be involved with the team without having to travel all over the country. Um, and I, I'm interested to see if, if he takes back, takes a step back from coaching, if he's going to like completely retire from the team or if he's going to 
kind of remain involved in that capacity because I can see him maybe still wanting to be involved with basketball, but just in a way that keeps him from having to travel everywhere. Um, but I, I, I do think that if they, if, if he does decides not to go, I, mm-hmm. I do think that it'll probably be one of those things where they kind of name all three as the acting head coach like they did. I don't know if the NBA would let them do that, but I think they might do it where, um, Maybe kind of like what they've done in the past, where Tim Duncan is the nominal head coach, but each yeah. one of them is kind of like the acting head coach in that game, uh, in a sense. Um, and and I do think that that would be something very Spursy. I don't really think that uh, they have a gigantic, and I know this is another one of the talking points we have, a gigantic chance to make the playoffs. So it almost yeah. seems like it's better to use these eight games to let them have an environment where they're uh, able to act as the head coach for an extended period of time if the Spurs want to evaluate one of them as the next head coach. That almost seems like the most valuable way to spend these eight games anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think it would probably be the same thing where they say, Tim Duncan is our head coach, quote-unquote, but each game it's like, well, this is Will Hardy's game where he prepared the game plan and he's going to be talking in timeouts, and now it's Becky Hammond's game. I, I think that that's something likely to see if, if Pop does decide not to go. Yeah, for sure. And also, also like, I think they would also change different roles in doing the media, you know, post-game press conferences and stuff like that with, with uh, you know, it's going to probably be all online media at this point, what it looks like. Uh, but yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm I, I, just like you, I think that, you know, you'll see those them each having a different role and, and lead uh, while they're over there in the event that Pop doesn't go. And you, you mentioned something, you know, really critical was the fact that, like, if he if he if he chooses not to go. Um, you know, because of the the, the, the the risk factors, you know, this is probably still going to be here in December when the season restarts next season. And, and whether it's another bubble environment or, or wherever they're going to play their games next year, um, next season, should I say, you know, he's going to have to have this, this same choice of whether or not. So, so this, you know, this could lead to, you know, an, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, maybe possibly an early retirement if he, if he doesn't end up going uh, to this environment. Because and then he also has to worry about the Olympics, too, because he's supposed to coach, coach the Olympics. They got pushed back to 2021. And we'll see if that even happens still. Because, I mean, really nothing like we mentioned over and over again nothing goes back to normal in life until there's a vaccine and, and you know who knows when that could be you know they're hoping that it could be by the end of this year but but you just never know uh when that vaccine's coming i think I, one thing i wanted to say is this week we um the media held a press conference um online with uh spurs gm brian wright and uh, when, when he was asked about this situation with pop because of his age and the risk of coronavirus uh, he just said um all of this is to be determined um that was his quote just all of this is to be tbd so like they they don't really know yet the league's obviously still looking like i mentioned they're, they're trying to get medical records of everyone that's going to put to see who's really really at, at the most risk if they do catch it uh so, so we'll, we'll obviously wait and see what happens and, and you know whether or not uh, pop goes uh, to coach the team in, in um in late july all right let's move on to the second topic colin and that's lamarcus aldridge um he is out for the rest of the season um this week uh, earlier this week uh the, the Spurs announced that uh, he had a right shoulder procedure um, actually back on April 24th. So they've kind of known for a while that he was going to be out wh- whether or not the season restarted or not. Uh, but it's it's been that right shoulder injury that's kind of been bothering him most of the season and why you've seen, you know, seen him struggle and play this year. Uh, Brian Wright, like I mentioned, was on, a, on a, pr- a conference call with us, the media, this week. And he did mention that, you know, once the league shut down in March, up until that April 24th deadline, Aldridge was trying everything he could do to try to kind of just rehab on his own and get healthy that shoulder. And it just never happened. So obviously on April 24th, the team and him decided it was best to go, go along with that procedure to get that fixed. And, and so he should be ready for next season. Uh, you know, when it starts in December, um, 
So because of that, uh, the Spurs they have they're in an interesting spot because now they basically have two open roster spots. Um, they have one because uh, you know they just had a open roster spot when they had cut Demari Carroll or waived him earlier this year when they bought him out. So that was already there. But then because Aldridge is out, uh, they can basically sign a replacement player because you know he's a, it's a it's a season ending injury. Now one thing that Bobby Marks just recently put out I had just barely seen this today was that if you replace you know your your injured players uh, with the two way players, then they have to take up a roster spot. So really. The Spurs could sign two players, but then not bring both Drew Eubanks and Quindary Weatherspoon, or they can bring one of those two-way players and then also sign somebody. So that's kind of where they stand right now. Um, you know, as far as bigs, there's not a lot of bigs out there that I, I can see making a difference. Um, there's Jordan Bell, who was recently released by Memphis. He's six nine. He mainly played the five this year with, with Memphis and Minnesota in his time there. Uh, obviously, Demarcus Cousins is the name that comes to mind. Um, he hasn't played since in over a year now. It's been since April 9th was his last NBA game. You know, there's that question: Do the Spurs even have interest in him? Uh, I, I went back and did some research, and I did see that last summer Demar Derozan was trying to get him on the Spurs, trying to pitch to him. But again, we don't know if the team would like him on the on the team. Uh, uh, there's there's reports that the Lakers wanted to resign him, and also Miami Heat has interest. Um, and then also we don't even know if he's healthy. You know, the projection was that he would have been ready by like April to June in, in a normal NBA season. He was supposed to come back in the playoffs, basically. But we don't know where, where exactly he's at physically. So, uh, what do you think they should do here with this with this um, open roster spot or these possibly two open roster spots? What do you think, Colin? Well, it's kind of tough because um, you think if there's any. And I think this this might be kind of jumping the gun on on some of the topics here, but if, if there are any difference makers uh, that are able to be signed, and honestly, I don't I don't have a super good I, you know, I've kind of been checked out a little bit, and now basketball's starting back up all of a sudden, so I don't have like a great list of like these are the fifty best players available right now or anything, but I I just have a hard time imagining that like the Spurs is a destination for any player that's actually a difference maker right now. I know that there are some free agents that could help uh, certain teams. But I, I just think that the the Spurs obviously have a chance to make the ninth seed. Uh, but I don't know if they have a chance to beat the eighth seed two games in a row. And if they do, I don't think that their chances of making it out of the first round are all that great. Uh, and I, so I, I don't know what would appeal a player who might actually be able to be a rotation player on uh, a team that makes a playoff run. Like what the appeal for them going to the Spurs is. Um, I do maybe see something for a player like Jordan Bell, who is kind of now this past year kind of jumped around the league a little bit um and that that term that's thrown around the second draft or whatnot except this would be like the fourth draft i guess where yeah. the spurs bring in a relatively young player and see like how he fits in their environment and stuff for maybe something more long term i think that's probably the best use of the contract but i don't think that ends up being a difference maker on the court for the eight games they play uh so i think for me it's mostly like they can use it as a free agent evaluation contract or two mm-hmm. i guess um really they might be able to use it to see kind of what they have in drew eubanks and quindary weatherspoon but i think drew is especially important since this is his second year on a two-way which means that he won't be able to be on a two-way next year which means they have some decisions to make about kind of his future with the spurs going forward so i think more than anyone outside the spurs if they're trying to evaluate someone i think that interestingly enough drew is an important person to evaluate for them um, and so I think if there are, if there are those young players out there that that kind of no one really knows exactly how their career is going to go at this point, uh, if they're willing to come to the Spurs, that might be good in terms of them trying to evaluate them for a long term fit. But I think they kind of have one of those players. I mean, Drew Eubanks might not have the upside of some of those guys typically, but 
he might have a future with this team and and they're going to actually have to make a decision on him this offseason. So I, I think the guys they have actually, they have some questions on, but anyone they do sign, I think the best use of it is like a young player that they might want to see if, if they fit in their system going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. And again, I, I you know, I, I, I honestly just think that they're going to, they're going to bring Eubanks and, and Weatherspoon on, on the, into, you know, into to Orlando with them and then maybe sign an extra player in case like we see like DeMar DeRozan doesn't want to go to the, the, some, the Orlando league or, um, Rudy Gay or just someone you know decides chooses not to go. Maybe that's that's another case where they where they sign someone. So we'll kind of see what happens there. Um, let's talk about Aldridge real quick because you know, depending on we don't know exactly how this, the Spurs are gonna what what kind of direction they're going into this off season. We've basically seen that you know barring them making the playoffs this in this summer league in the Orlando league, uh, they're probably not a playoff team anymore anymore with the roster that they have right now is what it showed like up up till March. Um, and so they do have to make that decision. You know he's gonna be. He's going to be 35 next season when they start. Um, he's he's he has a guaranteed 24 million, but then after that he will be an, uh, a free agent, unrestricted, the following season. Um, you know he averaged about 19 points this year, seven rebounds, uh, two two assists. You know, and so so you do see some decline in his play. You know, you could also attribute some of that to the, to the injury that we've mentioned before. Um, but you you propose a good question. You know, was March? Uh, you know, probably maybe altered his last game as a Spurs if the team decides to, to go in a different direction next year. Because you got to keep in mind they have some some young players that they want to try to evaluate. They have Lucas Simonich who probably needs some minutes next year. Uh, you know, they they may try to re-sign Jakob Pertl and keep him as a part of their future this off season. You know, Trey Lyles has, has done really well for them. Uh, this year, uh, and you know, they could, he has a non guaranteed um, option for next year, so they could try to they could guarantee that and keep him next year. And then also, they have that eleventh pick coming in. It looks like right now, uh, and so you know, they could get a, a pretty good young player uh, to 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 go in. So, so what do you think? What's going to happen with Aldridge right now? Yeah, this off season is actually really interesting for the Spurs because um, there's a lot of different directions they could go, uh, and, I, and I think that a lot of it will depend on conversations that they have with both Aldridge and DeRozan where they maybe say hey we need to get some of these younger guys some minutes if you feel comfortable staying here another year and kind of being that mentor role obviously they would play both of those players they're they're still good enough to get a good number of minutes on this team for sure but I think to say like hey we will cut back your minutes a little bit to give some of these younger guys a run like would you want to be here if that's the case, or would you want to go somewhere where you can kind of uh, spend the rest of your career maybe being uh, more of the high-minute guy like you're used to? Um, and I think if they say, you know, we're not really interested in kind of a minute reduction, we'd rather um, be on a team where we can kind of carry more of the load like like we're used to, I, I bet the Spurs try to trade them at that point. Uh, it just seems like something that they'd have an open conversation with. I think that if... If Aldridge was like, you know, I'm cool with being here and being a mentor to these young players, they would obviously keep him around in that situation, maybe. Because I, I don't really, I don't think they're really trading him for a ton of value at this point. Like you said, 35 coming off of a shoulder surgery. But I think that if they will have the conversation about, hey, we are probably going to go in this direction as a franchise uh, this season a little bit, and then the season after, especially. And if if that's not something you're super excited about then we can get you on another team so you can at least spend the last couple of years of your career uh late prime post prime career um in a situation that you're more enjoyable with and i think that question maybe is more i, I think aldridge might actually say yes he would enjoy being a mentor to these young players i think that drozen uh probably accurately feels like he still has more in the tank 
uh, in terms of kind of where he is in his career. And if, if he was kind of asked to do the same thing, I think that he might say, you know, I will opt in, but I would prefer kind of going to a place where I can be the guy. And that both of them, I don't really know exactly how much value the Spurs are getting back in a trade. So, so it's really interesting. There's like a million different directions that this can go. Um, I know the Spurs will obviously, you know, they, they try to make the playoffs again. The, the record will probably be broken this year. And then the, the getting into the playoffs in the West next year is going to be incredibly tough. Yeah. And, and I, I just running this same team back to try to make it again next season just doesn't seem like a wonderful idea. So I, I imagine that there's going to be a change. It's just kind of hard to pin down what it will be. Yeah, no, for sure. And then our last, uh, you know, you know, um, topic on this subject uh, with Aldridge out is uh, we kind of tackled it already, both of us. Uh, you know, we, we basically both feel like right now there's not a free agent out that they're going to sign that's really going to make a huge drastic difference. Who's going to beat out, you know, Jakob Pertl or Trey Lyles or Rudy Gay for their minutes? So I think that we're going to see, you know, this continuation of what they were doing right before the season ended, which is playing a lot more small ball. Um, now, I know that De- DeJounte Murray and, and Jakob Pertl were hurt right before the end of the, right before they stopped play. Now, on on that call with um, with Brian Wright, he didn't specifically say they're healthy right now, but he did mention basically all the players are going Going except for for Aldridge, so so we're assuming Murray's going to be ready and also Jakob Pertl. So in that case, you know, I think we're going to see more small ball like like how we were seeing right before. So you know, you'd have Dejounte Murray and, and Patty Mills at the one. Um, Bryn Forbes probably starting at the two still. Then Derek White coming in to replace him, um, and Lonnie Walker, DeRozan at the three. Keldon Johnson was getting a lot more minutes there at the end at the three. Uh, Trey Lyle is probably starting. Bellinelli maybe playing some backup four, uh, and then Jakob Pertl and, and even like we saw Rudy Gay playing a lot of a, a little bit of five right before the season ended. That was interesting to watch on some games when Aldridge was out so he 6% of his minutes at the 5 and then of course you know Pop trusted uh, Drew Eubanks a little bit more uh, as well so I think that we're going to see do you agree that we're probably that Pop's probably just going to roll with this like more so small ball like where we saw DeRozan playing some 4 Bellinelli playing some 4 Rudy K at the 5 yeah I, I agree with that I think you know they have some players that they probably want to do a little bit more evaluation on internally uh, like I said the only exception is someone that's kind of young that maybe could have a chance in the right environment, but I don't think that's going to change much for these eight games. So I, I agree with you that, that we're probably going to just kind of see more of where we left off with the Spurs than kind of any new player coming in and making a big difference. For sure. Uh, and then the last the last topic we want to go through, it's just real quick, um, it, because of we, we, know, we, we basically even though we don't know who the Spurs will play in these eight seeding games, we don't know how the schedule is going to be built out yet. The, the league hasn't, hasn't provided us with that. We can see mathematically, you know, their path to get into the playoffs or how they're, they're, they're basically not going to get there. And so I put a piece up on project Spurs um, earlier this week called um, scenarios for Spurs to get eighth or ninth place in seeding games. And so what I did was I, I basically broke down all the ways they can get the eight seed because the league is going by winning percentage since not all teams will have played the same amount of total games when this is all over. Uh, and then also, uh, so I did it for the eighth seed and also the ninth seed. So, Colin, in order to get the eighth seed, let's focus on that first. So basically to keep this playoff streak alive, or, or at least to, to get the eighth seed um, before the playoff tournament, uh, they'd have to do at, at worst five and three and at best eight and no. I mean, that's really hard without Aldridge to go five and three. And even if you do that, you're banking on the Grizzlies going 0 and eight. You're banking on the Blazers, Pelicans and Kings to go four and four and the uh, Suns to go six and two. Uh, so do you even think that just getting the eighth seed right now uh, is 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 even you know? Do you think it's even likely with this team? Oh, not at all. I I, I don't think there's a chance. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I I don't think so. And I'm I'm sure we're going to discuss that more at the ninth seed. But 
De- definitely not the eight seed. Same here. I, I just don't think. And even if they were to get the eight seed, let's say they did that. Well, guess what? If one of the nine seed teams is within four games of them in the in the, in the record, well, then they have to be forced into a play in tournament. And in that case, the eight seed only has to win one game uh, to to move on to the real playoffs, whereas a nine seed has to win two games. All right. So now let's go look at the nine seed. Now, there's definitely way more um, options for them to get into the ninth seed to that that would force the eight seed into a, into a, a play in tournament. And the way that goes is, um, at minimum, the Spurs have to go one and seven. At best, they could go eight and zero, like I mentioned. Now the problem there is, like, let's just say they go one and seven. Well, guess what? The Grizzlies can do anything they want. The, you'd have to have the Blazers, Pelicans, Kings all go zero and eight, and you'd have to have the Suns go two and six or worse. So, I mean, I if I had to paint a number to get them into that 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 nine seed, I would say five and three would probably be their best option. That's like the safest, but even that's hard to do. Like we mentioned earlier, to, uh, to go five and three means the Grizzlies will go one and seven or better, and then everybody else will go four and four or worse. Uh, what do you think about the ninth seed? Yeah, so I think with the schedule that they had when they ended the season, they were pretty close to getting into that ninth seed and getting within four games. We don't know exactly how they're going to do the schedule, like you said, but we do know the 22 teams that are going to be there. And how many of those teams would the Spurs be favored in a game against? You know, Portland's probably going to be healthy. Grizzlies are going to be healthy again, probably. So that, I think, gives us... I mean, maybe like the Suns, the Nets, maybe like Orlando and Washington, maybe those four teams. Yeah, and I doubt they're going to play all those teams. Yeah, exactly. They have eight games. They're probably not going to play all four of those teams. And if they do and win those four games, like I don't think we can realistically imagine them to win the other four games that they're playing against competition that's going to be really high level, especially with Aldridge out. So, and, and then... If they do make the play-in game, I don't know if they could beat the Grizzlies or the Pelicans or the Portland Trailblazers, who would be healthy at that point, two times in a row to make it in. So, yeah, I think it's a really big long shot unless, you know, I think maybe if all of the players come back and they're just like in pristine shape after it, you know, maybe... Murray comes back and, and he's like all the way back from his, his injury. It looked like this season he was still just a little bit hampered with the rehab. Yet I, I, I just find it hard to believe that they even go five and three because I think that just the 22 teams that are there, they're going to have a really difficult schedule. And it'll be, I mean, they would have to win maybe three or four or five upsets just to get to the five and three mark. So, yeah, I, I you know, there's obviously a chance. But I definitely wouldn't count on it, especially with Aldridge being out. I think Aldridge being out kind of, kind of took away any hope that there was, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, same here. I I just don't, you know, this road looks really tough. Uh, like like you mentioned, you know, I just don't see, you know, even if like they go five and two, like I mentioned, you know, they have to have other teams do just as, you know, do 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 worse basically, and that's hard when you're not, you have no control over how those other teams are going to play. Um, so you know, we'll see. I I, I like Colin, I mentioned, I think I think it's a long shot. I, I don't think that they're going to, um, you know, continue this playoff streak that's that's gone on for for over twenty years or, or whatever the number of years are for it. So you know, just to, just to remind Spurs Spurs fans, you know, in the event that they don't make the playoffs, they're going to get to keep that eleventh uh, pick as far as the, the lottery order goes now. 
So so again, even if they they just say let's, let's say they play horrible, zero and eight. You know, basically, to, to people would think you know somebody asked me on Twitter, you know, does that improve their draft odds? Not really. If they're still going to be eleventh, because what the league is doing is they're freezing those teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. They're basically freezing your lottery order for now until the real lottery uh, gets here from where where it was on March eleventh when when the league stopped. So that's basically why I keep saying the Spurs are most likely just going to be the eleventh um, spot in the lottery and, until they do the real lottery um, in, in August when that comes up. Um, so so yeah, so so that's basically what's going on. You know, with, with Spurs right now and, and, and the NBA's return, like like you know, like like Colin and I mentioned, you got you have to basically watch daily what's going on because every day there's new there's new um, different reporting. Uh, we may start seeing some actual players start saying that they're not going to end, end up going to this environment, uh, and then we'll also obviously have to wait and see uh, what kind of um, changes the league is going to make. So uh, before we close out this episode, um, just make sure you follow Colin on Twitter. Um, he's at Colin um, Reed PS again at Colin Reed PS. Um, and then just to plug some some of our some more um, information and things. Um, one thing that I really want to um, encourage Spurs fans, uh, Spurs cast listeners to do is, is really uh, go to the Spurs website or their their apps, you know, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and and look up this series that they're doing called the Spurs Voices videos. They are really really powerful. You know, we know what's going on right now in our country. Um, with the uh, with the with the with the diversity issues and everything, and, and the Spurs have done a great job with the series. I, I highly encourage you to, to watch these videos where where it's not only their players, it's, it's some of their employees, their staffers, um, and where they, where they basically talk about you know if, if, if being a Black American, what it's been like for them growing up, uh, and then even you know, even if they're not Black, you know their their family members, what it's been like, or friends and stuff. And so it's just they're really really powerful videos. I really encourage you all to go watch those. Um, they're called the Spurs Voices videos from the Spurs organization. Um, the G League, uh, let me see here. Oh, yeah, Jonas Clark, a writer, uh, he has his latest piece out called The G League is Quietly Having a Pretty Good 2020. So if you want to check out that piece by Jonas Clark, it's up there on ProjectSpurs.com. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein continues to um, you know provide draft prospect watches to, to keep an eye on. Now that we know for sure the draft is coming, um, I believe it's, I said it, it was in October earlier today. Uh, and then also I've added some new things. I haven't, I know analyzing the league.com has been pretty quiet, but I've actually been, um, you know, more motivated to work, to work there and, 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 and create some things. So one thing I've created, um, this off season is called the free agent shot location database. It's over on analyzing the league.com. And it's pretty interesting, which what it does is it shows you all the current free agents, um, well, for now, it's the, the ones that are that are not going to Orlando, and I'm going to be expanding it as, as we get more info on the teams that are not going. And what I've done is I've basically just taken their shooting stats only, and, I, and I've kind of shown you, um, you know, what kind of player they are. So it's a really good way to see a player um, that your you know your team has interest in or that they sign, and you can quickly see, you know, what kind of offensive output do they provide uh, when it comes to shooting. So that's it, it's really interesting that I put that tool up on analyzingtheleague.com. And also this this summer, I'm going full um, salary cap sheets um, for each team. So right now, I have live on, on analyzingtheleague.com the salary sheets for. Um, all eight teams that are not going to Orlando and once teams start getting knocked out of the playoff picture or not we see that they're not going to end up making it I'll start providing those teams as well so again those are some things that are going on over on analyzingtheleague.com so uh, thank you uh, to Colin Reed again for joining me as as my guest Uh, I'm Paul Garcia and for Colin Reed have a great day and stay safe out there bye
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.